Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. We're graced by the presence of Sub 1, Lauren, and Sub 2. Hey! week in keeping with the spirit of robotics and end of year parties we're talking about robots that can help in and around the house making our lives easier enough of these fancy space robots what can we actually do to help us in our everyday lives this week we find out about some of the latest advances that were done in 2014 for the household robotics and now we launch into our launchpad news segment so robots in space that's pretty cool but I don't, I don't live in space, Justin. I want robots now. I want robots right here. I want robots in my house. And how can we make robots in my house? Well, that's the thing. Like, we hear about these fantastic stories of advances in robots, but most of the time they're like, we're helping high-powered surgeons in crazy military base in America, or, um, you know, crazy robot that does stuff for the U.S. military, or crazy robots flying around to Google, or Amazon delivering, you know, products for you to your door. But that's not really, you know, personal robotics, something that you can touch, feel, own. Because really, what, what do we want robots for? You know, we uh, want... Pacific Rim, we want to fight monsters. <laughs> well, actually, if you want to fight giant monsters using some mecha suit, it's not technically a robot because they're not autonomous. But, okay, let's say you have self-driving cars, which is something, if you drive a car, you might be interested in. Google is actually producing and working on uh, self-driving cars, which are driving around a lot at the moment in California, completely autonomously on their own. But legally under California law, there has to be someone sitting there at the steering wheel, able to take control if something goes wrong. Well, Google's cars next year are hitting the roads without steering wheels or in, um, pedals. That's right. They just have to have a human operator who can take manual control like, to stop. So basically, they're removing all the human interface except for like the stop and go button, which is kind of cool. So. Driverless cars are a thing, but Google doesn't want to be the only ones doing that because otherwise they're stuck. Well, plus the Google cars kind of look like sad koalas anyway. So they do because they're, they're covered in sensors because they basically have to have every sensor known to man pointing out everywhere. So it kind of looks like a UFO of sensor rings. They just spin around it constantly. So it's not the most elegant of cars to drive. But it's a way, an area we've made huge advances in. BMW and Audi have cars that self-park themselves, so auto valet cars, which are pretty cool. Um, but again, you have to be either Google or, you know, um, a millionaire to afford one of these ridiculous cars. These are making cars that are autonomous on highways more accessible to people. That's right. Companies like Tesla are trying to make them more commonplace for lower income bracket cars. And that's right. And companies like Honda and Peugeot and Citroën and Volkswagen especially have systems inside the car that do collision detection. So... Um, what they do is they, or collision avoidance rather, they don't want to detect that you've crashed, they want to stop you from crashing. And so they look at the cars in front of you using the parking sensors that we've all got, those small ultrasonic sensors that beep at you when you get too close to that car behind you. But what they do is they monitor them as you're going through. And if that suddenly starts changing, so you know, if the car in front of you is normally about 50 metres in front and it's generally 51, 52, 49, it's in the same spot. But if it starts really slowing down, what it will do is approaching the brake. Uh, apply the brakes so it actually slows you down and prevents you from having that accident. And that's really quite clever, uh, kind of an intuitive braking system to give you a hand. Hopefully you'd be braking anyway, but the car is giving you that little bit of a boost by starting the braking process a bit earlier. So we are doing that, and that's in accessible cars. Um, but there's some robots that are available for the US market. I'm sure you've all seen those small drones that are going around, the quadrocopters. Every man and his dog's got a GoPro attached to one of those little flying things. And, you know, there was an episode, there was a uh, very funny uh, 
uh, incidents where a reporter for the New York Times went to report on a, these drones being used at an Applebee's in America to deliver food and take people's orders to them um, inside the restaurant. And when she was there doing the, the piece, um, the robot actually crashed into her. So maybe that wasn't like the best way to build publicity. But there are very, very interesting ways people have been using drones. For example, one reporter sent a camera drone into Chernobyl, into areas that are too irradiated for humans to go, and brought back these amazing pictures of like life still springing up in the uh, irradiated waste. Now that really goes to show the power of life to persevere beyond uh, any sort of expectations that we might have, even in nuclear irradiated places. But something a bit more practical, again, to everyday life, um, I'm sure many of you love taking selfies. I mean, selfie stick is a huge market, keeping people who manufactured uh, aerials in business um, by changing over to selfie sticks. But a company has actually invented an ingenious way of actually automating that process even more than the actual selfie itself, which is quite cool. The company called Soloshot has made a robot which is called Soloshot 2, a great name. And basically, it, it films you as you do an activity. Um, but not for like standing around taking photos of yourself in front of a mirror, but for things like dancing, doing sport, running around with your toddler, swimming in a pool. It actually tracks you and films you as you do that. So think about it as a GoPro that you're not controlling, that's just following you as you do your thing. So it actually uh, can capture what you're doing in a really cool way. It makes you feel like you're the star of your own movie. That doesn't sound good. That sounds horrifying. Uh, I think it'd be really cool. Um, is it flying or is it stationary? It's flying. It's flying. So it's kind of like, uh, I don't know if you guys ever read the Scott Westfield books, Extras, okay. from like the Ugly series? Yeah, it's where the uh, people who are in a popularity contest and have a robot following them around at all times to try and take videos to make sure they can be the most popular person around. It's like a big competition. Well, that, that is basically so this. Basically, like, yes. And if you compare that with Vine and YouTube, you could have the most amazing feed because it's autonomous. It has a battery that lasts for about six to eight hours. And fully waterproof. So no matter what you were doing in your life, you could just have someone totally recording you as you go around and, and make your own reality show of just you existing. And I'm sure some people would be able to have fantastic YouTube channels, which would, you know, make them millions of dollars. Okay, well, let me rephrase: make them tens of thousands of dollars in YouTube ad revenue. And that's that's you know that's a that's one kind of task. You know, what's not really an essential task for most people's lives, but it's not that expensive. It only costs you four hundred dollars. So you know that's. And then consider it for You can do it in the rain. That's right. Okay, so this next robot we're talking about is only applicable to people who have cats. Which, you know, probably is a large portion of our podcast listeners. <laughs> Unfortunately, not me, so this won't help me that much. Or me. Or you. So nobody no. talking about this owns a cat. Well, I have way. a cat who just stares at me who's my neighbor's cat like I've done something wrong with my life. I don't know what I've done. I just know I'm Isn't a Isn't that every cat? I'm pretty sure. So I'm pretty sure that's why I own a dog. It's like owning a cat. I'm like halfway there, I guess. But, you know, this robot is called the uh, litter robot, which actually helps in one of the most essential tasks, I guess, for cleaning up after a cat. So what does it do, Lauren? It's got a sensor that determines when your cat has visited the litter tray. And then afterwards, the uh, unit rotates like a giant cement mixer, like a giant cement mixer to sift and um, deposit clumps into a waste tray. So it's basically like taking. So it's like an automatic composter. Yeah, pretty much. And it's taking an essential process that's really annoying and time-consuming to do, and automates it a bit like automating a flushing process for a toilet, which we did for us, but you know, not for cats because 
they can't. As a dog owner, I would love to have a robot that followed me around on walks that could clean up the uh, the dog's droppings as I walk. So I don't even have to stop after they're done. I just keep going. The robot takes care of it. And then I'm just following. And it just follows you the rest of the way. <laughs> Look, that is that is a good application for it. So hopefully the inventors of the. Uh... So hopefully the makers of the litter robot can expand their offering to you know also work with dogs, maybe following dogs around on their walks, because that would greatly help the dog owners of, amongst us, which include you know us three recording this podcast in the first place. Now you know there's of course um, the Roomba company is probably the name you think of. Uh, I love those. I've got one. We named it Susan. It vacuums all we with that bees. It's kind of creating a robot underclass immediately because all we're doing is making the robots do all the jobs we don't want to do. That's right. And uh, the Roomba company has really popularized household robotics because they don't just make the Roomba. Um, and the company that makes Roomba is iRobot, which is a very creative name. Um, Wonder what they're referencing there. Correct. Um, it's just a question of whether or not they've programmed the three balls into them. Um, so they've got the Roomba, which is they the robotic. Because the Roomba can come through you in the leg and it doesn't say sorry. Okay, well, that look, <laughs> that's clearly a breach of the three laws of robotics. Um, so they've got the a vacuum cleaner. They've also got the luge gutter cleaner, which I like to imagine is like a bobsled team or something like that. They've also got the mirror, which is a pool cleaner. They've also announced the best one, which is a scuba and the scuba 450. I don't know why it's called the 450. It's a brand new product, but there you go. Probably related to the amount of water it holds. That is probably a reasonable point. It's a floor scrubber. So basically what it does is it mops your floors in an automated fashion. And when I say mop, it means it literally soaks the floor then brushes it and squeezes it and then dries it with a squeegee. This is amazing. Like, this is basically um, an automated, you know, mopping process. So you've got your vacuum cleaner, you just let him go for a bit, and then you've got your mopper that just follows around after it, and if you've got your gutters cleaned by the, the, the luge and your pool cleaned by the mirror, you're basically job done. You just retire at that point. Well, you still need to clean up your leaf litter in the garden and the dog poo when you're walking the dog. That's true, but hopefully other robot companies will help us here. Ah, but, 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 there is the RoboMo RS. Oh, okay, here we go. Which is a $1,000 or $2,000 robotic mower. Um, whoa, 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 robotic mower? So what you're telling me is somebody has outfitted a robot with blades. Yeah, I don't think this Do you is... realize this is how Skynet is invented? This is how robots take over the world, guys. Uh, yeah. Enjoy this time now. Because soon these robots will kill us all. Well, that doesn't seem that far-fetched when you consider that this is a pretty dangerous thing. Uh, unfortunately, what, one of the ways you have to use the robot well is you have to actually map out your yard with wires. What? Like, it's basically like a fence. And you put it up a bit like a fence so the robot knows the boundaries of where it's supposed to mow. So it doesn't just go along and say, oh, look, here's a pool. I'm going to go mow in the pool. As, you know, otherwise it would happen if you just let a robot mob go nuts in your own backyard. So surely you can't have, like, four posts that would make a, a wireless kind of yard, because they have dog collars that do that. Why they and do that? You know, the, the scuba and the Roomba products, uh, oh, yeah, they, have they have a, a virtual wall thing. thing. Yeah, virtual they, walls. That, that use uh, infrared to do the same thing. But uh, the RoboMo isn't up to that level of sophistication. So. Yeah, okay, let's let's put blades on the one that's not that sophisticated. That's the best idea. Yeah, but look, you're not necessarily going to be outside when the mower is going, so you're generally hopefully okay. Can you imagine trying to fish the mower out of the pool while the blades are going? <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I guess the robot pool cleaner, the mirror, could actually pick it up there and say, hey, I've got a new friend, and, you know, tidy that up. It's so lonely. How do you clean that out of the robot? So, that, so there's some of the, um, the uh, you know, automated ways of uh, helping around the home. And I guess the other thing that you would do in your garden is water your plants. And if you've ever killed plants by forgetting to water them or not looked after them correctly, don't worry, the droplet 
Gardener um, system is basically something that can be synced over Wi-Fi or your mobile device or anything that you own, and you can either tell it to water or you can send it on an automated program and it'll just look after all your plants for you. Could you hack into someone's and then make the best prank ever? Well, maybe, but it also checks against weather data, so it's, it's trying to make sure it's waters at the correct time when it's completely optimised to receive the water. So it's kind of like a nest thermostat, it tries to lower your water usage. It effectively does the full control of watering process for your garden, and, and including lawns and plants and everything like that. And instead of just watering whenever, whenever you feel like or with the drip system, uh, whenever you think it might be right or continuously, it actually waters uh, at the best optimised time for the plants to receive the water and absorb the water by taking into consideration all the weather impacts around it um, now and forecast into the future. So it's actually providing a lot of intelligence to the whole watering and optimization process to make sure we save water and keep our plants alive. Well, there are plenty of other robots this year that uh, we haven't really touched on, but we can sort of consider that are more socially minded. So there's the... I don't know if you would consider these robots, but they're the active speakers like Amazon's Echo, which respond to certain stimuli and they do things for you. It's a little bit like your uh, your personal things on your phone, like Cortana or Siri or uh, yeah. or Google Now. Who doesn't have a name, mind you, because we can't humanize these things. And um, then there's the MIT professor who did the Indiegogo campaign for their robot G-Boat, which was this. Uh, little three-axis robot that uh, is basically a Skype machine along with a reminders tool, <laughs> uh, which you paid $400 for the privilege for. Um, it had a cute little voice though, so and the, the video was good, so they, they uh, made their, their um, quota, and I'm looking forward to seeing what Jiro 2 looks like, or I, I guess you'd call it Tuvo? Tuvo. Another really important social um, activity is like barbecuing. And in Australia, it's summertime, barbecuing is really important for us. Um, but the problem is that you have to clean a barbecue, which is like the ultimate disaster. It's a pain. It takes like more time than it takes to cook. And it's the last thing you want to do after It's what you get the kids to do when you're done. Well, that, if you have kids um, who are cooperative. What, what, what? <laughs> Grillbot, which is a $130 robot, actually scrubs your grill surface. So basically, you put, it it on, tiny. you put it on the grill and then let it go, and it uses really stiff bristles to actually clean the, the grill. And you close the lid and uses the heat to basically completely clean the grill surface. And can it do this while the grill is hot? Yeah, yeah that's what it's intended. But now they have resistance to severe heat, and we're putting this in our homes. Yes. This is where we live with our dogs and children in that order. And then cats. <laughs> look, look. One of the things they added to the second model of the grillbot was a reminder to tell you, to, like an alarm, to make sure that you took the robot out of the barbecue. And I just said, go robot, clean the barbecue, and then forget that you ever put it there. So, <laughs> Protecting your investment. There's that. Um, but look, we've talked about a lot of cleaning robots, but the ultimate thing about all these cleaning robots is that they suck up all this dirt or mowing or whatever, and what do they do with it? You still have to empty it. They don't dispose of themselves. So one company has seen this niche of the market and they've made an automated cleaning robot cleaner. <laughs> this is called the Neato BotVac. The problem is Neato make really terrible, terrible vacuum. Yeah, look, and that might be true, but the Neato BotVac is a, basically it's a charging station. So when your robot vacuum cleaner from Neato goes back to its base and goes to charge, which it needs to do after doing a nice round of cleaning, the Neato BotVac actually then cleans out the vacuum cleaner robot 
whilst it's charging and then disposes of the waste, which is fantastic because now the robot cleans itself or you've got another robot that cleans your cleaning robot. But who, who cleans up the neat robot back then? I don't know. This is a question that uh, obviously, unless you put it over a bit, then you'd be safe. Well, couldn't you integrate this into a, a current model? And that's hopefully what someone like Dyson or iRobot with their Ruby products will eventually do, but I still find the concept hilarious. So there's a lot of robots out there that help our everyday lives by doing tasks that can easily be automated and make things easier for us. But they raise a lot of questions, uh, such as... Such as, who cleans the robot cleaner? Um, and who cleans the robot cleaner cleaner? But they also help us explore new parts of our life and make our lives a bit easier. You may have noticed that this week's episode is episode number 99, and that means next week will be episode 100. And four weeks after that will, of course, be episode 104, which will mark two consecutive years of weekly podcast production by LaGrange Point. Now, we'll be celebrating in style for the 100th to 104th episodes. This will be your last regular scheduled podcast before then. So just giving you a heads up and preparing for then. Well, we'd like to hear from you. If you've got any fantastic memories or insightful things that you'd like us to discuss or talk about from the past two years, or if you'd like to have some questions answered by us, get in contact with us at our Facebook page for Young Science of Australia Melbourne chapter or for our website ysa.org.au forward slash Melbourne and give us an email or post on our SoundCloud page and we'd love to hear from you in the lead up to this big event. In the lead up to the 104th episode, our two year point, we're going to be talking with a lot of the different presenters that have been involved in the podcast over many years. And what we're going to start with is obviously myself, Justin Sorbello. I am the executive producer and major host for the podcast, along with Lauren Cracknell. I've appeared in all 104 episodes, or will have by the time that airs. I've studied engineering at university, mechatronics engineering, so I specialise in robotics, amongst other things, but I work now primarily as a consulting engineer in water systems. I have been involved in science communication for the past 11 years, through majorly through organisations such as the Young Scientists of Australia, where I served as president and various other positions for an 11-year term. I also have been involved in the Science School Foundation, where I'm currently a board member, and they run the Science Experience Program at over 35 universities across Australia. I'm also Deputy Chairman of the Australian New Zealand Events Association for the Advancement of Science, ANTIS, a 120-year-old organisation that predates the Royal Society in Australia, mainly around promoting science to pretty much the general populace. I'm also really passionate about science education, particularly in primary schools, and I've done a number of programs with primary schools in Melbourne to help teachers understand how to present science better, but also to give the students something to look up to and aspire to, and generally raise the standard of science education in primary schools for the primary school students, because that's where they need it most. If we don't get them early, we won't get them at all. This podcast actually began really, it's a germ of an idea, something that began after we wrapped up our radio show that ran quite successfully for about four years on the student youth radio network SIN 90.7 FM in Melbourne. We had a show called First Enigma, then Haliopause, which ran for a total of four seasons over five years with myself and a couple of other people from the Young Scientists of Australia Melbourne chapter. And over that time, we really honed our skills in presentation and science communication for masses, hosting a one-hour-long radio show. Once we stopped doing that for obviously scheduling commitment reasons, it's a bit hard to do that when you've got a full-time job and are no longer a student. We moved to the podcast space, and that's where we've been ever since. For the past two years, we've been doing fantastic with that, with many of the people involved in those original radio shows coming back to help us. Uh, it's been great uh, to be able to continue these conversations on the air, just like we did, but in a bit more condensed and editable format, which is, of course, much easier than live radio. But that's why I speak so fast and fill all those dead air gaps. Next week, we'll have another bio of one of our other presenters, and we'll find out more about what makes them tick and who exactly you're listening to when you listen to The Grange Point, a podcast brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia Melbourne chapter.
This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, LaGrange Point. This week we've talked about household robotics and various ways that robots can actually help your life right now. No waiting for research, no waiting for delays, just with a small purchase, a robot can be yours. And you can start living the future today. Our ending theme was composed by Audio and Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.